This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Tota time here on the College Draft Podcast, which is presented by BetOnline.ag, which has that unbelievable 100% sign-up bonus going right now. So even if you're bored and you just want to play poker or blackjack or whatever, I highly recommend. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, now five podcasts, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which was excellent today, as well as the Fantasy Feast Podcast with Joe Dolan talking fantasy football, the Even Money Podcast with Steve Fezzik talking sports betting, and of course, right here, the College Draft Podcast. Today, we'll have John Ledyard who works for Pewter Report, talking bucks as well as NFL Draft. He is absolutely one of the best analysts in the business. You can follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL Draft. Really looking forward to finding out the guys that he thinks are a little overrated, the guys that he thinks are underrated, and then some of his sleepers. I always think that's the most interesting thing this time of year. Should be getting Matt Waldman back starting next week. Matt is finishing up the rookie scouting portfolio, so he is all in on that bad boy. All of his time is spent on the rookie scouting portfolio, so we gave him a few weeks off. If you want to ask him any questions about specific prospects over the course of the next three weeks, I'd love for you to do that. Just rate and review the show on your podcast app. Take a screenshot on your phone after you rate and review it. Forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, what does Matt think of this guy? What does Matt think of this guy? Boom. It's that easy. Be awesome. Absolutely awesome. So I'd love to have that happen, actually. So hopefully you guys go ahead and do that. Just rate and review the show because we want more people rating and reviewing it right now so more people are aware of it during the lead-up to the draft because it's always a, a really good thing. At any rate, um, I told you who I am, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And I told you who John is, so let's do it. All right, John, I was saying before I brought you on, one of my favorite things to do this year, uh, this time of year, is to get guys like you on whose opinions I really respect and to find out what they some guys that they're higher on than everybody else seems to be or lower on than everybody else seems to be. Because you get to this point where you read all the mock drafts and they're similar and you just think, okay, well, what, like, where's the difference of opinion here? And I know you're a guy that has strong opinions and you're not afraid to say what it is you think of certain guys. So um, let's start with some guys that you like 
maybe more than everybody else seems to. And we'll start with LSU guard Damian Lewis. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, Ross, you're absolutely right about it. Just opinions this time of year and everything. And you can start to see it. Everybody kind of gravitates toward the same consensus. But every year, there are players that either overperform or underperform based on where consensus had them. So it's about finding the players on the negative and positive ends of that spectrum, I think, that you're going to go against the grain on. And so for me, Damian Lewis has been one of those guys, I think he was really projected day three early on in the draft process when he got invited to Senior Bowl. Most people were like, oh, yeah, you know, good pickup for the Senior Bowl. Should be a, a day three depth guy, spot starter type. And then I watched his tape and I was like, I think he's, I mean, he's got the power. He's got the nastiness. He's got the technique and the leverage that he plays with. Everybody kind of ripped on his athleticism because he's this big 330-pound, 340-pound wide-bodied guard that looks kind of like Gabe Jackson. I think people were kind of making the same mistakes they made with Gabe Jackson a little bit because Lewis can move people, but he's also a much better athlete than people think that he is, and he showed that at the senior bowl. And then people started getting on board a little bit more. I see him in round three pretty often. I think he has a chance to go in round two. I think the NFL really likes him. That whole line played really well, but I think he's smart, uh, good dude, and committed to the game, I think, is what I've heard, too. So I just think there's a lot to like with his game, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the first interior offensive linemen off the board. I've seen you tweeting, and I gave out your Twitter earlier, and I'll do it again now, at Ledyard NFL Draft, some videos of Kayvon Wallace from Clemson, a guy you really like. Yeah, man, he is a blast to watch. You know, I think people got get caught up with some of the other bigger names in that in that defense, and rightfully so. There's some you know guys in Isaiah Simmons, AJ Terrell, who will probably go in the first round. Uh, but Kayvon Wallace has been outstanding for three years now for Clemson on the field. I mean, he has been locked down in the slot. He's done really good things in safety. He's one of the best tackling defensive backs in the class. You know, everybody kind of worried about his long speed, and I think it's fair to say that even though he's 5'11", 206, something like that, still big enough to play on the outside. I think he's not the fastest, uh, so I don't know that teams will want him on the outside ever. Uh, but, you know, in the slot, I mean, that is less of a concern. And then he went to the combine, did ran a four five three, which isn't blazing, but, you know, it's not like at, at any point where you're going to be really concerned about can he play at that level with that speed. You know, you're not worried about it anymore uh, at that point, I think. And so, to me, when I watch Kayvon Wallace, his natural instincts and, and the ability to change directions in short spaces really easily and quickly gear down, come out of breaks with receivers, mirror him, find the football, make plays. And the other thing in zone coverage, he is starting to play faster every single year, and he's starting to get a jump on somebody. Dropped Ohio State, he should have had a pick six. They could have even swung that game even more, and he, he dropped it, but he jumped around beautifully. Um, nobody in front of him, and he just dropped it with green grass out there. Uh, so I think that he is a guy whose instincts are really – he's starting to trust them more, I think. They've always been there. He's starting to trust them more and play faster, I think, and that's been – the big difference between this year and years past where he had more ball production this year. I think the guy dropped like five interceptions on the season, had two picks, broke up 10 passes. Um, so it could have been a much bigger year for him. And I think more people will be talking about him as a top 50 player. Cause in my opinion, that's what he is. How about Terrell Burgess, the cornerback safety from Utah? Yeah, man, he is a blast to watch. Uh, he's one of the most fun tape studies that I've done so far this draft season. Played a lot in the slot for Utah, but played deep too. So a little bit like Kayvon Wallace. Wallace played more in the slot. 
didn't play quite as much deep at all this past season. Burgess was a pretty healthy mix of both. Locked down in the slot, though. He's smaller than Wallace. Teams are definitely going to see him as a slot, I think. Uh, but ran really well at the combine, tested well in general, showed he had the athleticism. A one-year starter at Utah, that was it. I mean, he played before as like a backup sparingly, but behind Marquise Blair and some of the other guys that they had at Utah, he didn't even see the field until this year, but you never know if I watched him. I mean, technique, footwork. In slot coverage, he was the best corner I've seen in a couple years, I think. Um, I know that Pac-12 competition, you know, you're not always going up against the best wide receivers. Uh, at that point, not like some of the SEC guys that are really battle-tested, and I will I take that into consideration. But based on what he had to face, I mean, he was completely locked down. He also made some of the best plays in deep coverage that I've seen from a safety this season. Not a single high type of guy, not going to play with that type of range, uh, but definitely has the ball skills, has the awareness to play in two deep coverages, but mainly is going to be a lockdown guy in the slot and matched up really well, even with bigger tight ends, because his technique and his physicality are so good. So I think he's he if he, he doesn't go in the top 50, somebody's going to get a steal later in the draft. What about a couple of Ohio State guys? Um, how about Malik Harrison, a linebacker from Ohio State? Yeah, man, I had no idea. I haven't even like really sat down and just studied Malik Harrison. I've watched so many other Ohio State guys, Akuda and Arnett especially, some of Jordan Fuller, and I just end up focusing on Harrison so much because he is so instinctive as a run defender around the box. I mean, just violent, physical, a little bit of a throwback in that way, but then he tested pretty okay, too. I mean, he's not a great athlete. He's not like you know Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray or some of these Simmons and some of these guys that are probably going to go first round, but he should lead that second tier of linebackers. Just He's so good around the box, and he's so good in zone coverage. If you have a scheme that doesn't ask your linebackers to match up a man a whole lot and is kind of pretty comfortable with them, just in middle of the field zones most of the time, I think of an Indianapolis, I think of a Green Bay, you know, those types of situations. I think that's where he could find himself and thrive at the next level because that's where his game operates best. But, man, he can thump and hit, but he also has enough range to make plays out by the perimeter and really, I think, fit the modern-day NFL. So he's he's a blast to watch. I think he's one of the – a player that's starting to get a little bit more buzz, I think. Played well at the Senior Bowl, too, but not getting enough love in national media. Yeah, I think sometimes these guys get – overshadowed by their more ballyhooed teammates, right? Like right. Chase Young or Jeffrey Okuda, which is probably the case for Damon Arnett. Right. Yeah, exactly the case with Damon Arnett. And it's been kind of the case for years with Arnett. Like he, he has been there for, for the, I think he was there for the beginning of the Marshawn Lattimore years. And then he was there for Denzel Ward. And then he was there for Jeffrey Okuda. And he's been kind of, the guy waiting in the wings and you don't see many Ohio state corners stay until the redshirt senior season. So he is 24 years old. That's the biggest concern. And he really was not developed until this past season. So a little bit of concern there, but this past season's tape is so good. You know, he found the football, he made plays on it. He didn't show any speed concerns. I know he ran the four five seven at the combine and that is uh, you know reason enough to pause and to bump him down a little bit, but his tape, really kind of from this season says, you know, he, he could be a first-round value. But I think the athleticism concerns with the combine may bump him down. And then there also are some character things I've heard. I don't think it's anything like legal issues. I think it's more like work ethic and stuff like that. He really turned it on this year. Can that switch stay flipped on? But, I mean, on tape, like he, he, has, the, he has the size that he'll play press. 
physicality. Again, you talk about tackling for corners, one of the better ones in the class. Uh, but he just found the football and pressed me in all season long uh, and made great plays in that area. So I think he can play in any scheme. That's another thing that makes him valuable. But we'll see if some of that character stuff and some of the late development being an older prospect stuff knocks him down the board a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like he was there forever. <laughs> he was. He's been there like five years, I think. So it's been That's really rare because Ohio State has so many guys that – play for three and then they're gone i'm curious i don't know if you even studied him john did you look at sean wade at all or did you not because he's going back to school i've seen him peripherally you know while watching other guys um he i think athleticism will probably be the question with him to see at that level of athleticism of some of the top guys that come out of ohio state uh, you know the conleys and the Lattimores and the wards and the okudas you know i mean i think that's maybe going to be the measuring he's played mostly in the slot Sometimes athleticism concerns can be a little bit covered up there. So this season, being able to play outside, we're going to learn a lot about Sean Wade, I think. All right, so on the other side, that's a good point, by the way. Um, On the other side of the ledger, we've got guys that you're not as high on as everybody else seems to be. And my guess is a lot of times it's going to be they've got the ability, but they haven't really shown it on a consistent basis. That's going to be my guess, John. Let's start with Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle from USC. Yeah, this is a good one for what you just described, I think. I mean, the ability's there to a degree. I don't know that it's the high-end ability. You know, people kind of suggest he's an elite-tier athlete. I, I didn't really see that when I watched his tape. But even so, I mean – on offensive line, I just think if your athleticism is not functional to the movement patterns that you need to be successful in pass protection and in the run game, certainly, but especially in pass protection, I just, I don't know how valuable you're going to be in the NFL. You know, to me, he looks like the type of player teams make mistakes on every year where there's not, there's his pass sets are not consistent. Um, whether he's short stepping out of his sets, you know, that can be an issue for him at times, but he also tends to reach and lunge at guys a little bit. Uh, get top heavy, his weight out over his toes, and it really shows up in the run game where he's had a, a significant struggles creating movement and staying on blocks, uh, whiffing all together at times. So to me, I, he he's been talked about as a guy that could go as high as 14 to the Bucks. I mean, somewhere you know in that range, at least by the end of the first round to go. And I, I won't have him in my top 100. I don't think I know Pro Football Focus. You know who, who charts these guys and stuff. I don't. They don't. They agree with me as well. I don't think they have him in their his top. Their top 100 either. So there's a wide range of opinions on Austin Jackson that are out there. Uh, and to me, I just think he needs a ton of work. And even if he were to get there, which is kind of rare for offensive tackles that far away in the NFL to develop this fully, even if he were to get there, I don't know that the ceiling to me even suggests like a round one caliber player. That's interesting. Yeah, it does seem like there's a wide range of opinions i feel like usc has a guy like this like every other year where it's like (laughs) an offensive tackle that supposedly has a lot of ability that you know he's got the ability to be a first round pick but he plays more like a guy that's a third round pick i i swear that that i i can't think of the names of these other guys every year i feel like that happens yeah khalil was one years ago and i think zach banner wasn't quite as as talked up but he for he was getting Round two love for a long time. You're a big guy, moves well. You know, it just didn't happen for those guys. What about um, AJ Epinesa? I'm curious about this one 
Because coming in the year, a lot of people talked about AJ like he was going to be a top five, top ten pick. Yeah, I, I am, I am head, I'm scratching my head when I watch AJ Epinesa in terms of what people are, are trying to remember at this position. I mean, we have learned for years how much athleticism matters at that position, an edge defender position, really anywhere on the defensive line, but especially an edge defender. I mean, athletic, there are hardly anybody in the NFL on a consistent basis putting up great pressure and sack numbers that didn't test really well. And those guys who did still had one thing they could really hang their hat on. And I will say this about Epinesa. He does have good hands as a pass rusher. You know, he uses his length well, and he does show some strength in, in that part of his game, I think, uh, which gives him some hope as a situational rusher type of player. But it, he is so tight in the hips, and he is so limited athletically in terms of lateral movement, being able to change direction, uh, you know, throttle down, come back inside of tackles. Um, when you combine that with having just kind of okay burst off the ball and, and very little bend or flexibility around the edge, uh, and the combine you know performance kind of backed that up too, that, that those are areas he's going to struggle in with the way he tested, especially in the three-cone. I, I, to me, I, I, I always look for pass rush athleticism. So like speed, burst off the ball, speed up the arc, bend at the top of the arc or flexibility either in ankles or hips. Those are the things I kind of look for for guys that are top-tier pass rushers. He just doesn't have those things, and definitely not enough abundance for me to consider him a first-round type of player. You know, I think later in the draft, you know, later on day two, I'm sure he'll be gone by that point. I could see him as a guy who can kick inside and rush situationally there, and still have success because of the length and the hands. But I also think his body needs work physically. You know, I think it, people started to see that at the combine. I think, and I'd written that before, but people started to see that. So I just think there's a lot more work needed there. And even if he gets that work done on his bike, I just don't see the athletic ceiling to be the type of player that people are projecting. He's fallen off some, even in the public eye, I think the last couple of months, but I still don't see a player who, you know, should go in the first two rounds, in my opinion. How does he compare to like, uh, like, is he a three, four DN, like a Cam Hayward or a Tuit or someone like that? Can he grow into that? And how does he compare to like a, a guy like J.J. Watt who maybe wins more with, with power and hands? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the thing with Epinesa that's interesting is a lot of people have said, well, maybe he's a defensive tackle, and they've tried to kick him in there. But I'm trying to remember his exact weight from the combine, but it w- wasn't he wasn't in the spectrum. I mean, you're talking, if you're talking about guys that play full-time inside, I mean, Aaron Donald is kind of like you know 285 pounds, and he is the freakiest freak in the entire league. And he's also one of the smallest defensive tackles. Like, so if you're talking about playing inside at that weight, you know, even if he could get to 285 pounds, totally different build than Aaron Donald. So the ability to play with leverage inside and not get moved. I mean, every time he faced a double team out on the edge at Iowa, he got absolutely destroyed. I mean, he was just completely off the ball, which I, that wouldn't concern me in and of itself. But if you're thinking about kicking him inside, like, I'm like, okay, like, you know, you've, you've got to be able to hold up against double teams. You're going to get moved by base block on the inside. You know, if you're playing, I mean, he's 6'6", almost 6'7", I think, and so he's playing inside at that height and doesn't have great bend. So he's going to get moved in the run game. So already you're taking off a healthy chunk of snaps there. Then you're asking him to basically be an inside pass rusher. So he's a situational player that comes off the bench in those situations. And still, I think he's probably going to need to work on his body before he reaches his peak in that regard. So I do think that there's, you know, in terms of, oh, he could win inside in some ways, sure. But I think that snap count load is going to be cut at a certain point 
where how many snaps are you getting from a guy that you're drafting in the first round? You want that guy to play every down almost. And so I think that's something you have to consider when you're thinking about his value. He may be able to add something to a front to a defensive line, but I don't know if you're ever going to get a first round value type of contribution from him. What about Etor Gross Matos from Penn State? Another long levered guy, um, but better athlete than than Epinesa further away in terms of hands and development just in general. Um, kind of turns it on and off a little bit, I think. Sometimes you see some juice, but not a super explosive player. Smooth player, um, not super explosive. Flashes of power and ability to come back inside tackles, hump moves and long arms and things like that, which is important for a guy who doesn't. Maybe he does. Bend, maybe he can bend, but it doesn't show up on his tape right now. I think. I think he has flexibility. I just don't think he knows how to utilize it. So I would say there's a higher ceiling for Gross Matos than a guy like Epinesa, but he's further away from it. Um, and, and I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to get there just because right now I don't know what a team is going to do with him developmentally. He just does not get off the ball quick enough to really threaten teams and he's kind of a big strider up the arc so you're not talking about a guy that is is eating up space fast to the top to that apex of the arc right now so i think he's at struggles cornering and i don't think he's strong enough to to consistently move guys at the nfl level so i always think about pass rushers is you got to go outside of guys you got to be able to win inside of guys you got to be able to win through guys and i don't think he wins outside of guys very often his tape he only ever wins outside of someone for a pressure or a sack. So can he go through guys, you know, convert speed to power? I think you need to be faster than he is right now, and that's a concern with him. Um, and if you can't go outside of guys, it's hard to get back inside of guys because they just sit on that inside move. So I, I don't know what he has in his repertoire that really tests people, and the limitations in the run game have already been kind of documented. So he looks like a situational player early, maybe develops into something more, but I also would love to see his motor run more hot, more consistently throughout games. I think that's a concern as well. Trayvon Diggs, the corner from Alabama. Man, I was confused when I watched him. I was like, am I watching the right player? I just, I know people have talked about him as a first rounder for a while now. I mean, I've watched him last year and I wasn't surprised he went back to school. He had some flashes, you know, played DK Metcalf pretty well, um, even though he only read two routes, so he kind of knew what was coming. Um, but I, so I thought, you know, going back to school was a good call for him, but his press technique just hasn't gotten any better. And that's the big concern is that, uh, you know, I mean, Brian Edwards from South Carolina got off the line uh, against him a couple times in that game. You know, Jamar Chase easily traveled on Diggs, probably worst game of his career was against Jamar Chase. So when I watch these guys, I want to see him against the best competition and the SEC, you get a chance to do that. And I thought Diggs kind of feasted on, on the little guys and didn't play well at all against the big dogs. And so that's a concern to me because he is not a great athlete. He is not kind of your, your silky smooth um, Jeffrey Okudas or C.J. Hendersons who are going to kind of mirror and match all over the field and, and, and stuff like that. He's a little bit tighter in the hips, long-legged. That can work in the NFL, but you have to be able to press guys. You can't give them space off the snap. And he has the length and he has the physicality, the mindset to do it but the technique is just not there yet. And after this many years at Bama, I just don't know if he's going to ever be focused enough to get that technique down where he's not giving up early separation and he doesn't have the athleticism to make up that early separation. So to me, that's a big concern with Diggs. He only really fits in, in one type of scheme. Either like you could do some press man stuff with him and just hope he can ride guys 
through the route breaks, but you know, really like a press, you know, press cover three bail type of scheme where you're playing them in, in those kind of zones as, as a deep defender. And, and there's some teams that would be valuable too, but a lot of other teams you know, won't won't appreciate the fact that he doesn't bring much versatility to the table. What about Marlon Davidson, the D tackle from Auburn? Everybody blew him up after the Senior Bowl, but he was only there for like half a practice, and and he it was okay, you know, that half a practice. But everybody started talking about him, and sometimes I think we look at position groups, and I just think we need somebody to talk about. I mean, the defensive tackle. We've been talking about Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw since college football season started, and there just hasn't been a third guy. I mean, nobody's really, you know, some people like Jordan Elliott, some people like Justin Madubik from uh, Texas A&M, and some people like Neville Gallimore, Ross Blacklock, but no, nobody's really stepped up as a clear guy so i think we were looking for somebody excited about and davidson had a really nice pass rush win during the senior bowl early on and then that was kind of it i mean he in his tape just i've asked people i was like what if you like more than davidson tell me like what it is about his tape that makes you think he's, he's a top 100 player uh you know he consistently gets mocked in the end of the first round um to a team like tennessee you know and and, and things like that but I just don't know how you watch him and see that level of ability. I mean, not a guy who's tested at a super high athletic level, um, you know, doesn't have this great imposing size, uh, played on the edge a lot at Auburn, which I'll admit like that probably made him look a little bit worse because he's a 300 pound edge defender. Um, but he just doesn't do a lot of things really well, doesn't move really well, doesn't really have a consistent pass rush plan. He is strong. And you see that in glimpses, but he also got moved consistently when he was on the inside. I mean, Jedrick Wills has a play where he just absolutely picks him up and corkscrews him into the ground. I'm just not sure where he factors in. I mean, 300 pounds, nobody in the NFL is playing you on the edge. You know, he's seen more than two or three snaps a game. So you have to play inside. And I didn't see him win inside as a pass rusher very often. And I really didn't see him win inside as a run defender. So he, he's kind of a liability sub-package type of player, developmental uh, you know, he's already a senior. He loves his mentality. Great. I talked to him at the combine. I mean, dude is a grinder. He's going to impress teams in that way. But it feels kind of like LJ Cole, your last season, where you're like, you're excited about the guy. You know, you're excited, great dude. He's excited about some of the things he did at the senior bowl. Really com- great competitor. Uh, but then he just can't even find a role to get on the field for Seattle, who needed edge defender help the entire season. And that's what Davidson feels like to me. Feels like we're kind of reaching based on we know the fact that we know he's a competitor and an intense guy. Sleepers, John. Who's your favorite sleeper? Like, if you had to say, Ross, this is this is my guy. Who would be your favorite sleeper in this draft? Oh man, I mean, there are a number of guys kind of that, that come to mind as as pure sleepers. I try to go when I when I say these, I try to kind of think in my head, like, okay, who are like legit sleepers? Like, I don't want to go with guys that you know everybody kind of has already jumped on the bandwagon with and stuff like that. So. One guy that I don't think has become too popular yet is Sadiq Charles um, from LSU. Uh, I, I, what I like about Charles, he played left tackle for LSU this past season, projected right now to go uh, by most everyone I've seen to go sometime on day three. Um, he could go undrafted because there are character concerns and stuff with him off the field at LSU that are going to drive teams crazy. Uh, they just will. Um, so I think that but, man, when you watch him on tape, I mean, he, he just has raw ability. He was a soccer star for years uh, in high school at, at like, 6'5". I mean, three, I mean, the dude is, is a freak. And then he's playing left tackle at LSU winning a national championship. Um, 
Dude bends like no offensive lineman I have seen in recent years. I mean, he just has flexibility for days. I mean, he can go into a full squat and pass protection. His technique is just super inconsistent. He has all the movement skills. He's explosive. He plays nasty when he's out there on the field. There's a ton of things to kind of get you really excited about what he could be. Uh, but at the same time, you know, all this other, the technical stuff and offensive line is, is pretty important. So that could hold him back a little bit in the end, I think. John, this was awesome. It always is. Every time we get a chance to chat, and I love it. I love hearing the guys you're higher on and lower on than others. There's some big names that you've got in yeah. the uh, in the lower <laughs> category. A lot of those guys showing up in the first round. So awesome. Always fascinating. Love your work. Again, make sure you're checking out everything John does on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. Terrific stuff. Thanks, John. Awesome. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Boy, every time we get a chance to talk to John, have him on the show, I'm really impressed. Really, really impressed. That is a guy that does the work and knows his stuff. Speaking of doing the work, have you done the work yet to see what the latest offer and possibilities are at betonline.ag? You, you really need to, especially with WrestleMania coming up. Whew. I know a lot of you like wrestling. WrestleMania, you can bet on that. You can bet on the college draft. If you're listening to this, you are into the NFL draft. You can bet on that as well. Plus, they got poker and blackjack and any type of casino game you want with that 100% sign-up bonus as long as you use the promo code PODCAST1. That is the key to everything in life. Promo code PODCAST1, 100% sign-up bonus at betonline.ag. That is the key. Check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today. You're going to love it. Eric Winston was fantastic. Longtime NFL PA president. Really, really interesting. And we'll get to some the wide receivers, free agent moves with Joe Dolan on the Fantasy Feast this week. And we'll talk about betting with Dave Mason from betonline.ag, including WrestleMania on Wednesday's Even Money podcast. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.